So the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. And welcome in on a Wednesday, Steelman and Thune at noon and the passing of a legend we learned of uh, last night. I was off Twitter and in bed by like, I don't know, 10 o'clock, and then I got up this morning and I was like, wow, Vince Scully, 94 years old, 67 years in broadcasting. You heard it right there, 1988, Kirk Gibson's dramatic home run against the Athletics in the uh, World Series at Chavez Ravine. Uh, the Bill Buckner incident in 86. You had the Dwight Clark catch out at Candlestick Park against the Cowboys, sending San Francisco to a Super Bowl and really the beginnings of a dynasty there with Bill Walsh and company. He called Hank Aaron's 715th home run. He was on 18 at Augusta. Vin Scully did it all. Parker, we lost the GOAT, in my opinion. He is the Michael Jordan, the Babe Ruth, whatever you want to call him. He was the best, I think, in the business. And... Uh, we lost him again yesterday at the age of 94. Well, and I know you're a big Dodger fan, and you're a huge Vin Scully fan as well. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about your influences uh, as a professional, whatever your craft may be, for me as a broadcaster, as a journalist, one of my foundational influences was Vin Scully. And, you know, back back when I was in college and I would I would be doing TV, I'd be doing radio, uh, as a student journalist, I'd be working with peers my age, and one of the remarks that I always got from my peers was, you use all kinds of words that nobody's ever heard of. Nobody but you knows what that word means. And that was in part due to the influence of Vin Scully. That was one of the things uh, that was so admirable about him and something that ultimately embedded itself into the way that uh, I went about my business as a broadcaster and a journalist. Just the wordiness, the prose, the wit, the the silver-tongued, dulcet delivery. I mean, there's nobody like him, and it's very, very seldom that you can look at any particular industry, any particular field, and say, this one individual is quite clearly the greatest of all time at the, at his job, at whatever he does. I think that's the case when it comes to broadcasting and Vin Scully. I don't think there's much of an argument that when it comes to play-by-play, he is the best to ever do it. Yeah, I'm with you, and we've talked about this before, you know, on this show that we both think that Vin Scully is the best. And you're talking about baseball is the hardest sport to do. There's no doubt about it. Uh, particularly if you're broadcasting solo, if you've ever done that for a baseball game. But Vin Scully, man, it was he knew precisely when to lay out in a big moment. Uh, you know, in, in the edited version of the Gibson home run there, he let the, the crowd noise and uh, the absolute uh, excitement there at Dodger Stadium go on for at least, I think, 60 seconds. And uh, that's what the pros do. But he could bridge the gaps, fill in the gaps, you know, because baseball, again, it's not a fast-moving game. Uh, and you might be sitting there for three hours and have, like, 12 minutes of action or whatever. But Vince Scully, the way he could tell those stories, weave them into the game and do it seamlessly and do it so articulately and do it in such an entertaining way, 
uh, and he knew the precise moment to bring up a certain story about a player or a manager or a fellow broadcaster or a fan. Vince Scully was the best. He was the absolute best. And on top of that, he seemed like a great dude, too, right? 94 years old, we lose Vince Scully yesterday, a 67 year career in broadcasting. I mean, none of us will ever achieve that, right, <laughs> in this lifetime. Uh, Vince Scully is going to set the standard, I think, uh, maybe forever, certainly for a long time, but such a likable guy, such a great announcer, and uh, just was he was an artist, you know, behind that microphone. And think about all the things he did. I was listening to T-Row this morning. I had to go to the dentist, T-Row and TJ, great show. By the way, we're going to play the chipmunk bit here in a little bit, which was also great. But... Uh, and, you know, it makes sense, but I heard Toby say it this morning. You know, he's been gone from the booth, what, for two years now? Is it about well, two it's, years? It's actually been – it doesn't feel like it, but it's been six years. Uh, his final His final season was 2016. Holy cow. Man, time flies. I, I was thinking, yeah, he's been gone a couple of years. But think about this. In 2016, he had already been in the Hall of Fame – Baseball Hall of Fame, for nearly 40 years. For nearly 40 years, you know, by the time he hung up the mic. I mean, that's that's amazing, absolutely amazing. And those guys were giants back in the day. And Vince Scully continued to be one. And Jack Buck in St. Louis, you know, uh, you know, you think about Harry Carey in St. Louis, later with the Cubs when he became really huge. Ernie Harwell in Detroit, Marty Brenneman with uh, Cincinnati and the Big Red Machine. I mean, those those broadcasters were everything. And Ben Scully, again, was the best of them all. I just, uh, I don't think there was a sport. Like I said, you know how much I love the Masters. Ben Scully used to be on 18 at Augusta, too, and was uh, part of the golf broadcast. So very versatile and just, uh, their words can't describe how good this guy was in the booth. And I know everybody, even if you weren't a Dodger fan, just about everybody loved Vince Scully. I love it when he got on social media not long ago, and he would come on and tell those stories. I mean, here's a guy that was 90 years old or so at the time, and he decides, you know what, I'm going to give this social media thing a try. And I thought the stories that he told and the videos that he posted were pretty darn good. I mean, uh, just a, a great human being and a fabulous broadcaster we lost. And, again, I don't know that there will ever be another Ben Scully. I mean, we always say that, man, I don't know if there will be another Michael Jordan or, you know, uh, we say that about so many people in uh, different fields, but I'm pretty confident in saying that there will never be a Ben Scully. Well, and he's uh, isn't he the figure, Mike, that more than anything else you associate with the Dodgers? Obviously, you know, I grew up a big Dodger fan. And I grew up rooting in vain every October for them to finally get past the Cardinals in the divisional round, it seemed like. But uh, regardless of how the season ended, regardless of how the Dodgers fared, uh, regardless of whether it was a good time to be a fan of the team or a bad time to be a fan of the team, and I endured both throughout my childhood, the one constant was always Vince Calls. And he made baseball fun to listen to. It, It almost didn't matter. Uh, how the team was performing or what was going on behind the scenes in the dugout, in the locker room, with the front office. You kind of you kind of forgot about all of that, all of the surrounding narratives 
and all of the travail that follows a baseball team over the course of a 162-game season because when Vin Scully was on the call, it was all about what was happening in the moment, and he had a way of making you feel as though you were physically present. I think that's the biggest compliment you can give to a play-by-play announcer, to a broadcaster in general. They make you feel like you are there. That's what makes the Gibson call so iconic, Mike, is you said it. He goes, she is gone as the ball goes over the fence, and then he doesn't say a word for 68 seconds thereafter. And it's the fist pump from Kirk Gibson as he rounds the bases. It's Tommy Lasorda's shocked and overjoyed reaction. It's Dennis Eckersley uh, walking off the mound and into the dugout. It's the taillights, everybody simultaneously hitting their brakes in the parking lot. Yeah. In the, <laughs> gotta go back. In the background <laughs> of the camera shot as the ball clears the fence. And, of course, the Dodger faithful all throughout the ballpark reveling. That's what makes baseball such a poignant sport to be a part of. And Vin Scully had a way of capturing that in a way that no other broadcaster has because he knew exactly when to not say anything. It was just about what he didn't say in some cases as what he did say. And again, I don't know that there's a higher compliment you can pay to a broadcaster than to say that they made you feel like you were there. And that's always the way it was with Vin. Yeah, Vince Scully kind of seemed to be like uh, if you were a kid, he would be like your 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 grandpa or somebody that you couldn't wait to see at a family get together because he was going to tell all these great stories. And oh, by the way, he can also call a baseball game or a sporting event better than anybody else and weave those stories into a broadcast seamlessly and make it uh, not only about the game itself but just pure entertainment as well. Uh, so we're going to miss Vin Scully, no doubt about it. Great human being and, again, a Hall of Fame broadcaster. And uh, we both agree, I think, the, the best of all time. I saw Bob Carpenter, and Bob's uh, an Oklahoma guy, and he does the Washington Nationals and uh, did OU broadcast back in the day as well. Um, great guy, really good announcer, and I saw him tweet that we lost the best ever, too, and I couldn't agree more. All right, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems bringing you hour number one here on Steel Man and Thune at noon. I'm broadcasting at home today from Shea Stadium, which was also the site of a dramatic Vin Scully moment when Bill Buckner had the ball go between his legs and uh, Ray Knight scored on the Mookie Wilson hit uh, error, actually, but... Uh, that was a big Vince Scully call as well, even referenced in Seinfeld many times, game six. So, uh, again, Vince Scully, the best. And if you're looking right now, ladies and gentlemen, because I know your AC is working overtime, it is, you know, and I know you're trying to save some money as best you can, but, man, if you want your house cooled down and you're really working your AC hard, you might be thinking about having it looked at Will it last? Because we'll probably go into mid-September. Who knows with temperatures that are pretty bad. But Tim Lasher and his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, can get that done for you. 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. We'll be right back here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Network on a Wednesday. Keep it right here. 
All right, coming back with a little stairway, huh? There you go. All right, welcome back. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans. Good to have you with us. We're going to go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in a bit, 405-651-3439. That is 405-651-3439. Spent the first segment talking about the passing of legendary announcer uh, Ben Scully, which happened uh, last night at the age of 94. So we lose... In the span of, what, three, four days, we lose Vin Scully and Bill Russell. I mean, you talk about two icons. Those are two of them. And uh, two quality human beings as well. And uh, Vin Scully, I think, no doubt, the best in his profession. And you can make an argument that uh, Bill Russell is uh, one of the greatest NBA players. There's no doubt about that. I know people say Michael Jordan and, you know, throw others into the mix. Uh, you know, it was the Will versus Russell debate, but I don't think you can't argue, can argue that Bill Russell may very well be the best or biggest winner in uh, American team sports. I mean, the way he won all those championships, winning back-to-back titles at the University of San Francisco, won uh, 11 NBA championships, also won uh, every elimination game he was in. I mean, that's, that's a winner right there. So, man, two giants, um, you know. Ben Scully in broadcasting and Bill Russell uh, in basketball. And we've lost him again in the last four or five days. Okay, Sooner football. Now 31 days away, Oklahoma will open up with UTEP. Then they have Kent State. Then they go to Lincoln for that big game against Nebraska where Scott Frost needs a signature win. And the Huskers are going to be lying in wait for Oklahoma. And that will be game four for Nebraska. Keep in mind, the Huskers play Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, that last weekend of August, so they'll be uh, they will be playing again their fourth game when they face Oklahoma. It'll be an interesting quarterback matchup: Casey Thompson against Dylan Gabriel, the Sooners' new starter. The transfer uh, was at UCLA, never enrolled at UCLA. When everything went down with Mule Shoe, and everybody thought hey, Caleb Williams is probably going to follow him out to LA, Oklahoma had to do something. And they did something that was pretty good. They acquired Dylan Gabriel, and so far. Uh, you know, he looked good in the spring game. They've been raving about him in terms of leadership, off-the-field stuff. Played for Jeff Levy when Jeff Levy was with Josh Heupel at UCF, so knows this offense obviously very well. And Dylan Gabriel said the other day at Media Day he believes this Sooner offense could be special. I'm super excited. Um, I think every guy on our team, at least on our offense, bring a unique skill set, speed, size, athleticism, you know, you know, agile, shifty, you know, whatever you, you want to say. I think we check all the boxes of what we want to be. Um, we want to be the aggressors. We want to set the tempo of the game. And having those guys, it helps, you know. Of course, you know, big boys up front. So whenever you got those guys, you know, leading the, the charge and then a bunch of skill players that can really make plays, I think you just you set yourself up for success. And, you know, we'll let our action do the talking, but, I mean, the excitement's real. People say, you know, they're excited, but I'm truly excited because there's just a bunch that we can do and in, in every position. So that's what I'm excited about. All right, so, Parker, what gives you the most excitement about Dylan Gabriel having a really good year for Oklahoma this fall? Well, I think it's the familiarity, and it's something we've talked about, right? A guy who's run Jeff Lebby's offense before and a guy who has – a ton of arm talent. You heard Jeff Levy talk to talk about it yesterday. It's kind of understated when it comes to Dylan Gabriel and the narrative surrounding his play. 
he is very good at pushing the ball down the field, making downfield throws. And so the Sooners offense is going to move very quickly. We know this. We saw the tempo at work in the spring game for the first time in Lebby's new system. In an offense that's going to be designed to move at a very rapid pace, and with a quarterback pulling the trigger who has a propensity to push the ball down the field and is unafraid to take shots down the field to a core of very talented wide receivers, I think this has the opportunity to be a prolific year for Dylan Gabriel. And the other thing that stands out about him when you look at the statistics and you look at the numbers, you look at what he's done over the course of his collegiate career at UCF, he doesn't turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot. And generally, when you're talking about quarterbacks that have a tendency to push the ball down the field, those are the guys that end up putting the ball in harm's way more than some of their peers. That's not the case for Dylan Gabriel. He's very good at being aggressive with the throws he makes while not being overly cocky and trying to fit the ball into windows where it simply doesn't belong. We saw that at times with Spencer Rattler. That was, it, I, I would go as far as to say that was the primary bugaboo for Rattler, and that's what contributed to him losing his job last season. His reality that he has one of the most gifted and God-given right arms I have ever seen in action. But there were times where he got a little bit overconfident in that arm talent and tried to put the ball in some places where it probably wasn't going to go uh, without the opposition having a very good chance uh, to step in the way. And so for Gabriel, I think you're going to see a prolific season through the air. And I think if we continue uh, to see the same type of play that we witnessed him put up over the course of his three, well, two and a half seasons at UCF, if he is the same guy at Oklahoma that he was at UCF, you're going to see a reduction in turnovers from what we're used to. Even Jalen Hurts, you rewind to 2019, he wasn't impervious to that. Jalen Hurts turned the ball over quite a few times. I think Dylan Gabriel has the opportunity to be safer with the football than any Oklahoma quarterback since Kyler Murray while also having the opportunity to have the most prolific statistics of any Oklahoma quarterback since Jalen Hurts. You know, it's interesting in the uh, preseason All-Big 12 uh, first team, Oklahoma again only had one pick, Michael Turk at punter, but Spencer Sanders was the first-team All-Conference quarterback in the preseason uh, you know, media team. Uh, I am wondering, because I, I think that Gabriel's going to end up being that guy because I think Oklahoma's going to win the league. I think he's going to have a really good year. Uh, what do you think about the other quarterbacks and how he stacks up against them in the Big 12? We don't know much about Quinn Ewers. We've seen Blake Chapin look pretty good. I like him, but we haven't seen a ton of him. We've seen that Spencer Sanders is very hot and cold. You look back last year to the Baylor game uh, in the Big 12 championship. And Oklahoma State comes within a half yard of, you know, winning that game. But uh, he throws four picks. And then you see the way he played against Notre Dame. He was really good. Uh, then you've got Casey Thompson at Nebraska. You have Adrian Martinez at K-State. Uh, talked about Quinn Ewers at Texas. W- what do you think? Some of these guys we, you know, Quinn Ewers we saw play like a couple series at Ohio State mop-up duty behind C.J. Stroud, and that's it. But what about how would you uh, – evaluate the pecking order of the league quarterbacks 
before the season starts? Well, there's a number of different ways you can quantify it, right? I, as I look at the quarterbacks across the Big 12, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be the most statistically productive. I think especially with and I know I know I keep hitting on it, but it matters so much when you're talking about statistical production. The pace at which Oklahoma will move offensively lends itself to a huge statistical year for Dylan Gabriel. I think the one guy, honestly, the one guy that could rival him in that department, just given the weapons he has at his disposal, is Quinn Ewers. I'm not saying that happens. I don't believe that happens. But I think when you look at the array of talents at the skill positions in that Texas offense, if all goes according to plan for Steve Sarkeesian and Longhorns, which when was the last time that happened? But if it does, Ewers has the opportunity to rival the production that you're going to get from Gabriel at Oklahoma. So I have a lot of faith that come season's end, Gabriel is going to be your first team all Big 12 quarterback. I don't know how Spencer Sanders got the nod in the preseason ballot. I guess because... He's one of the lone incumbents at the position in the Big 12. You have to keep in mind, Mm -hmm. obviously, Texas has a new quarterback. Oklahoma has a new quarterback. K-State's breaking in Adrian Martinez. Baylor's breaking in Blake Shapin. We don't know who Iowa State's going to start at quarterback, although we have a pretty solid indication that it's going to be Hunter Deckers at this point. I think Nate Glantz could push him. TCU may end up rolling with Chandler Morris over Max Duggan. So there is so much change From last year to this year at that position in the Big 12, I suppose for the sake of being one of the only returning starters at the position, it makes sense in theory that Spencer Sanders would be the preseason first-teamer at that position, but there is little doubt in my mind that Dylan Gabriel is going to outproduce Spencer Sanders and perhaps outproduce him by leaps and bounds. So I don't believe that the postseason All-Big 12 first-team at that position will resemble resemble the preseason all Big 12 first team at that position. Yeah, you're right, though. On Ewers, again, um, five-star kid recruited by everybody in the country, and he's got, you know, you look at the best running back in the league in B. John Robinson, arguably the best receiver in the league and Savior Worthy. He's got a lot of weapons, there's no doubt. But Texas, you know, <laughs> we'll see. You just never know. And, um uh, but I've got to see it to believe it. Certainly the hype is there. We'll see if the production is going to be there. Uh, and we'll know a lot about Texas, obviously, in that early matchup they have in Austin with Alabama. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We'll start getting to some of your texts here in the next segment. We're also brought to you by, again, another great company, Air Comfort Solutions. Uh, they'll do some great work for you as well. And they are the sponsor of our text line, 405-651-3439. We're just two two segments in here on a Wednesday. More award-winning, maybe, radio on the way. I don't know if you heard the T-Row TJ bit on the Chipmunks this morning. Uh, i got to play that back because that, uh, that was Hall of Fame material. So we'll get to that here in a little bit as well. It was – it put a big smile on my face driving to the dentist. So, Dr. Tim Brooks, thank you for the two – the two crowns. I'm feeling good. All right, we're going to break right here. Come right back. It is the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, back with you. Wednesday edition, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Wednesday's going along well so far. You know, we were talking about uh, Big 12 quarterbacks. Interesting battle will happen in Lincoln. Casey Thompson, kid from the Norman, Oklahoma City area, played at Southmore for a while, ended up where at Newcastle, I believe it was. 
and then ends up at the University of Texas, played really a great game last year in the Cotton Bowl, five touchdown passes, and now, of course, going to be the uh, starting quarterback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers coming up September 17th. By the way, a lot of Sooner fans going to try and be making that trip to Lincoln And I know a lot of you already have tickets, but if you're trying to get there and you're having an issue, you think, well, maybe I can't afford it, tickets are going to be too much, and hotel, accommodations, all of that, spending money, well, think again, because if you are a player out at Riverwind Casino and you use your wild card, as you should, well, you can be one of five patrons, one five patrons who can win a trip to Lincoln in Riverwind's the Battle of the Big Reds promotion, which is happening now through August 14th. Uh, you can earn one entry for every five points on your wild card, including five entries, uh, Mondays and Tuesdays. Then join the folks out at Riverwind on Sundays, August 7th, this Sunday, and August 14th. They'll hold two drawings every 30 minutes from noon until 4.30 for either $400 in cash or bonus play. And then on Sunday, August 14th, the top five patrons who earn the most points during the promotion on their wild card by playing games are going to be awarded a trip to the Oklahoma-Nebraska game valued at nearly $2,500. Not only that, they're going to give you $1,000 in cash for your trip as well. So that is the Battle of the Big Reds promotion, courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, Parker, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. You want to go there? Let's go right ahead. A lot of ink been spilled this week about whether Brent Venables is a hypocrite for recruiting players that are committed to other institutions. Uh, We have a comment on that on the text line. One listener says, by Brent Venables' own definition, if a player is still taking visits, they are not committed. Therefore, if he's talking to a player that is verbally committed to another university and that player wants to visit Oklahoma – Then, by Brent Venables' own definition, the player is not committed. Why can't the national media get that through their heads? Yeah, we talked about that uh, on Monday. It's pretty simple. I mean, and I know the Notre Dame fans are um, up in arms, and they're not happy with you right now, Parker Thun. The Notre Dame fans don't like you right now. But, you know, if Cade McFarland does, I got that going for me. That's right. Absolutely. Caden's a huge Notre Dame fan. But... Uh, you know, if Peyton Bowen's going to continue to take visits or somebody else can, you know, Brent's definition of a commitment is somebody who's committed to another school done taking visits. Correct. So, if it, you know, now somebody asked me, I want to get your take on this. The only thing that makes that interesting is if, and we've seen that Peyton Bowen is still on Notre Dame's commitment list. You've talked about him uh, potentially flipping to Oklahoma or maybe even Texas A&M, you believe that's going to happen before it's all said and done. But if he's on a commitment list for Notre Dame and the OU staff is talking to him, in other words, is there a difference if Peyton Bowen reaches out and says, you know what, I'm coming to visit? Is there a difference if the OU staff is continuing to talk to Peyton Bowen? In your opinion. Yes, but again, I'll go back to what I mentioned on Monday surrounding this topic. I can promise you that it wasn't the OU staff that initially reached out to Peyton Bowen and was like, hey, you want to come? You want you want to flip to Oklahoma? Right. You want to come? Yeah. You know, forget South Bend. Come to Norman. No, what probably happened was, go back to January 24th, when Jackson Arnold committed to Oklahoma, he knew as well as anyone, given his relationship with Peyton Bowen, The two are planning to be college roommates if Bowen ends up at OU. He knew as well as anyone 
that there was a point in time at which Peyton Bowen was heavily favoring Oklahoma, and then the former staff under Muleshoe simply quit recruiting him for one reason or another, never got a clear answer as to why. Probably never will get a clear answer as to why at this point. But after that, he started to trend towards Notre Dame. He committed on New Year's Day. But three weeks later, guess what? His high school teammate, his high school quarterback, is committed to the University of Oklahoma. Obviously, given Jackson Arnold's position, his influence, as well as his relationship with Peyton Bowen, He's going to get right back on the horn with him and say, hey, look, new day at Oklahoma. That old staff that hung you out to dry, they're gone. These guys are legit. Why don't you come take a visit, see what it's all about before you decide uh, that you're going to go to Notre Dame and shut it down for good. I promise you that originated with Jackson Arnold, not Brent Venables and the Oklahoma staff. That would be my thought as well. But, uh, you know, we were just talking about that, and, um, you know, this friend of mine threw out the hypothetical. That would be the only way he thought it might be hypocritical. Uh, And I said, I seriously doubt that's going on. The way these guys conduct themselves and how much they talk about it, I would seriously doubt it was initiated by Oklahoma. Uh, By the way, (laughs) uh, somebody texted me uh, this morning, said, what's going on recruiting? Seems kind of quiet the last couple days. I'm like, dude, you just got Colton Vosick on Monday. You've got a ton of recruits in July, uh, stretching back to the end of June. So now all of a sudden it's all quiet on the recruiting front since nothing's happened in two days. Uh, it, 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 it seems like Brent Meadows and the staff are almost spoiling or have gotten yeah, the fan base spoiled as it pertains to recruiting. It it makes me wonder, like, for people like that that are hitting you up asking, oh, well, nothing's happened in 48 hours. What's going on? It makes me wonder how those people endured the months of March through May. absolutely. Because there was the the Boomer Doomers. They were the, as you call them, the Crimson Chicken Littles. I call them the Boomer Dooners. They were probably a member of either one or both of those groups. But, yeah, I got the text, and I said, you realize that OU got a kid on Monday from Austin, Texas, whose dad played football at the University of Texas, who is a Texas legacy guy. I mean, that doesn't happen. And it just happened, you know, um, less than 48 hours ago. So, yeah. Um, When do you think something will happen, though, again, on the recruiting front for OU? When do you think uh, the next commit will drop? I would say at this point in time, it's probably going to be – a week or two before you get any more tangible news that hints at a new commitment or something of the like. I mentioned on Locked In yesterday that uh, the latest news is that Oklahoma is going to get Malachi Coleman on campus for an official visit. That is big news as far as that recruitment is concerned. Uh, I will have some additional uh, tidbits, whether today or early next week, on Edric Hill's recruitment and the Sooners' status there. Uh, there's been a little movement uh, in that race. Obviously, Edric didn't make it down to campus for his unofficial visit to Oklahoma on Friday, but I do have a handle on what the timetable is going to be and what the final contenders in his recruitment are going to be. So uh, stay tuned for updates on that uh, later today on Locked In on into next week. But other than that, Mike, you have Macari Vickers penciled in for an August 26th commitment. You have Anthony Evans penciled in for a commitment on the same day. It might be that long 
I get mm-hmm. the feeling it won't be. I get the feeling something will happen mid-August, and Jacoby Johnson is kind of the guy that I would keep an eye on in that regard. But at the very least, you'll be waiting three weeks for your next commitment, what I believe will be two commitments in the same day for Oklahoma. Yeah, and Makari Vickers, the uh, defensive back from Tallahassee, Florida, and it would be Anthony Evans, the wide receiver out of San Antonio. Two great gets, two four-stars for Oklahoma. Uh, Hearing anything new on David Hicks, because I think Sooner fans, they're excited about what happened at the party at the Palace and who they believe they're going to get, and people are still saying, you know, David Hicks is the guy uh, that could completely transform this class if they can get him. That's the... uh, Uh, number one defensive lineman in the country. I would say, as of right now, regardless of the outcome, I would be surprised if DJ Hicks takes until the new year to make a decision. And you still feel solid on Oklahoma right now? Yes. I think OU is the clear leader at this point in that race. By the way, and David Hicks and DJ Hicks, same guy. All right. David Hicks and DJ Hicks, number seven player in the country, according to 247, uh, big-time defensive lineman. As we talked about, you know, on Monday, uh, this is a guy who's right there, cut from the same mold as Tommy Harris, Gerald McCoy, any of the great recent or somewhat recent uh, Sooner defensive linemen you can think of. Those two certainly stand out. Uh, he would be a big-time get for Oklahoma. So that's what's happening in the world of recruiting. All right, break time right here on a Wednesday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. You know what? I want to play this when we get back because I was on my way to my uh, dentist's office. Um, I like my dentist so much, and I like the people up there so much that I still drive all the way up to uh, Edmond to see my dentist, Dr. Tim Brooks. He's awesome. Um, and I was listening to uh, T-Ro and TJ this morning. And uh, they're talking about the chipmunk commercial because I felt the same way when I heard it, but I thought the bit was great. So I want to play just a little bit of that because it, it might be besides, you know, outside of the realm of sports, it might be Toby's magnum opus, just pure radio bit. And his voice work was excellent. So we'll have that coming up. More text on the way. Keep it here on the ref. 31 days out, Sooner football in 31 days. We had uh, media day again uh, just the other day and got to hear from all the Sooner coaches and got to hear from a lot of players. So we'll have a little more audio coming up next hour. But like Bart Scott said, can't wait. Let's get it going. You know, the only bad thing about the college football season is, Parker, it's, it, of all the seasons, college football feels like it's here, we're fired up, man, you love your Saturdays, you get all these games, you get your friends, tailgating, whatever you enjoy, you know, to do during the football game, and uh, everybody, I, I think people plan around their fall Saturdays for Sooner football or Oklahoma State football or whoever their favorite team is, but it seems like it's here, and then it's gone, doesn't it? I mean, what, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, it just seems like it, college football just goes so quickly. The only uh, you know thing that drags a little bit sometimes is after, like, if you play in the league championship game or wrap up the regular season, you're going to a bowl game. That's a little bit of a wait. And I guess maybe that's because when we think of the NBA season, 82 games, Major League Baseball, 162 games, the NFL season, the Super Bowl's played in February. But it just feels like college football like starts, we're all fired up, we're having a great time, and then boom, it's over. I, to me, I, it does. I, I And I see where you're coming from on that. I'll say this, though. I feel like this particular offseason, 
has absolutely flown. And perhaps that has to do with the anticipation of the new era for the University of Oklahoma, the dawn of the Brent Venables regime. But I, I'll say this, when I think back to last season and how that unfolded, it honestly felt like a very, very long season. And again, that might have just had to do with the way things played out for Oklahoma. But man, with how, with how much I have to do Friday yeah. through Sunday on game weeks. No, I, I I, you workload, yeah. yeah. You're, you're kinda, week, I'm sure you're ready for it. Yeah, I, I look forward to the bye week for a breath, breath of fresh air whenever that does come. But, uh, no, I look, there's no more enjoyable time of the year than college football season, regardless of uh, how much work is on my plate, regardless of uh, whatever ancillary factors come into play. College football season is the best time of the year. It is the most wonderful time of the year. There is no better day, in for my money, than OU Texas Day. That's October 8th this year. That is the day that I already have mm-hmm. circled on my calendar more so than any other day this fall. But, no, I've, I've found it actually very easy to get through this offseason. And, again, I think that has to do with just how excited people are for the Brent Venables era. Time flies and goes by so much faster when you've got something to look forward to. I hear you. All right, we're going to talk a lot more Sooner football coming up next hour, a little more uh, thoughts on Vince Scully, some interesting uh, questions coming in to me via Twitter, DM Twitter uh, questions. They, they like to jump. They slide right into the DMs for some of these uh, questions on Twitter now. Okay, uh, do we have time for the chipmunk bit? It's oh, about we a certainly 40, do. I believe. We got time. Okay, so I'm driving to go see my dentist this morning, had two crowns put in, uh, you know, the uh, all the uh, swelling and everything wore off, so I was a little worried about that, but I, I'm good. I'm good to go. I got my dental gas this morning, which is always great. I, I did forget to bring uh, my phone in with me. I should have been playing Dark Side of the Moon while that was happening. But anyway, on the drive up, I was listening to uh, T-Row and TJ, uh, and we've been running a spot for Roto-Rooter. Good company, great company. They'll do good work for you. But I was also kind of laughing at the spot because it's a very creative spot, with the two chipmunks uh, on top of a house and how it played out. You may have heard it because when I heard it, I thought, oh, wow, okay, well, that's that's a little bit sad, actually. But <laughs> And here was Toby explaining the commercial to TJ this morning. Well, and T-Ro- hold, hold, hold up here, ahead. Mike. We actually don't have time anymore before we hit the top of the hour to run it in its entirety. So. You want to just really? lead, yeah? You want to just lead off the next hour with yeah, this? Yeah, let's do that. I, my bad. I thought it was like two minutes, but we probably. Uh, but we got to talk about it afterwards. I mean, this was such a quality bit that I. If you didn't hear it this morning, I want you to hear it because it was really, really well done. Yes, I would not have so. heard it. So this is okay. This is appointment radio, the yes. top of the one o'clock hour, circa one o two. Uh, we will I mean, have we're leading. The... It's so good. We're leading with chipmunks. Okay, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Oh man, lead... going on. We're going to lead with chipmunks. Uh, lead one hour with the death of Vin Scully. Lead the next hour with chipmunks. That's sports radio for you. I bet you at some point during his illustrious career, the legendary rest in peace, Vin Scully, probably told a couple chipmunk stories. What do you think? What do you mean? Like told a couple of stories about chipmunks or yes, did a chipmunk I'm, voice? I'm telling you that he told a couple chipmunk stories. 67 years in broadcasting, all the stories he told, I bet there was probably at least one about a chipmunk. 
would be my guess. I'm sure there was. The one that made the rounds on social media last night was he was talking about how Madison Bumgarner saved a baby jackrabbit from the stomach of a snake after hacking it apart. Oh, man. See, so there's no doubt there's a chipmunk story in there somewhere. I have no doubt about it. All right, we want to thank Tim Lasher and his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. You need work on your AC done. You need, uh, you know, work uh, on any heating and air problem. Tim Lasher and the professionals over there will help you out at Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. 31 days away. 31 days away from uh, that was year two for uh, Bob Stoops, right? Yeah, because they won the national championship and they opened up with UTEP. The first game for Bob Stoops uh, when that era started was when they played um, Indiana State. And Indiana State, I believe, showed up in two yellow school buses. I, I mean, that wouldn't Le- shock me. And Indiana Larry State Bird is- was not walking <laughs> off that bus. I can tell you that. Oh, man. You remember the first game of the Mule Shoe era was against UTEP, too. Season opener was it in 2017. Really? Yeah, I remember. Wow. I was, I was down on the field for that game, and my goodness, UTEP walking out of the locker room. It's almost like they knew Baker Mayfield was about to turn in a Heisman campaign because that team looked demoralized as they walked onto the field for pregame warm-ups. Yeah, I, I would say that Baker uh, had a pretty good career at OU. And we'll see. I, I just hope he gets his opportunity. I think he will. Please play him against Cleveland. Uh, don't let Sam Darnold play against Cleveland. Baker's going to win that job, though, right? He's going to win that job. He is going to win it. You can't lose a quarterback battle to Sam And Darnold. I can't lose a bet to Doug. That's true. You and Doug have a little wager happening there. All right, we're going to break right here, top of the hour. Thank you to, again, Last Year Home Comfort Systems. We have another hour to go. And, yeah, we're going to lead with Chipmunks coming up next. Stay here. Rolling into hour number two here on this Wednesday. How you doing? Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for uh, sponsoring our second hour here on Steel Man and Thune on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Before we get to the Chipmunk bit, which was a Hall of Fame bit uh, from uh, T-Row, you'll get to hear Toby Rowland's best Chipmunk voice. And if you haven't heard it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, who's the guy? It was Mel Blanc, right, uh, that did all the voices for the cartoon characters yes. like Looney Tunes, Merry Melodies. It was it was almost on that level. It was pretty good. Okay, but first, the question I have is, who is Ben Minich? Ben is it Minich? Minich. No, you're correct. Four-star safety out of West Lakota, Ohio. He's committing on Friday. Five finalists, Notre Dame, Stanford, Oklahoma, Kentucky, and Cincinnati. I expect Notre Dame to be the decision there. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that because, you know, hanging out with you and uh, and talking to Tyler as much as I do, that I feel like I, I know pretty much every name. And when I saw that, I'm like, who? Ben Minich? But that's because it's pretty much a done deal for Notre Dame. Yes, I would be very, very surprised if it's anybody but Notre Dame on Friday. And he is a safety, and uh, the Sooners are going to be getting – here pretty soon, we think, again, I think Macari Vickers said he was going to make his announcement. What is it, at halftime of his first game, is that what he was saying? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so that's going to happen, uh, I think, August 26th is the date, uh, I believe. 
for uh, Macari Vickers' expected commitment to the University of Oklahoma. So we'll jump more into that here in a little bit. We'll also get to more texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I've got a couple uh, interesting questions rolling in here as well. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. But as I said, I was going to the dentist this morning, and, yes, I drive all the way from Norman to Edmond because I, I like my dentist so much. He does such a good job, and the staff up there is so cool. Uh, Dr. Tim Brooks, so I've got like a 40-minute drive up there uh, in morning traffic, but I was listening to T-Row and TJ this morning, and uh, you may have heard a spot uh, either on the ref or one of our affiliates that's a Roto-Rooter spot. It's pretty creative, uh, and it's a pretty good spot, but there's a little bit of uh, sadness to it. Uh, And T-Row was explaining this to TJ. There are two chipmunks up on the roof, and, uh, well, one of them, um, one of them perished in the commercial, and uh, T. Rowe was explaining this to T.J. this morning, and I was very impressed with the chipmunk voice. So uh, it's so good, I just want to roll it. All right, so let's hear. So the whole it. premise of this ad is there are two chipmunks who are <laughs> like on the roof of a house, <laughs> and they're talking in these adorable voices to each other. Okay. One of them's name is Chippy, and the other one is like, "Hey, Chippy." Hey, Chippy, you should put your head in that drain and see what happens. <laughs> Cut to Chippy. Go on. Go on. Hello. hello. And then he hears his voice echo down the drain. He goes, hello, hello, hello. He's like, ah, that's awesome. Let me put my head a little farther down the drain. <laughs> Sounds like a great uh, commercial true. to me. And then Chippy gets stuck. Okay. Oh, no. Chippy oh, gets, no, there's a twist. He, puts, he goes too <laughs> far down into the drain. Oh, no, I'm stuck in here. Cut to his friend, who is now, you know, on the roof, obviously, by himself, while Chippy has gotten himself <laughs> stuck in the drain <laughs> at his bequest, mind you, <laughs> notices that a Roto-Rooter van is pulling into the driveway. Right. And he goes, oh, no, this is going to be bad news for Chippy. <laughs> then you go into the like the roto rooter song you know when you're doing something stuck you got to call roto rooter right Roto-Rooter, right you know and at the end the remaining chipmunk goes oh no chippy didn't make it <laughs> oh no they killed off and chippy. that's it that's it the end of the commercial is the chipmunk dies it's a commercial. You can't have Chippy. Where this ch- ch- Chippy ch- Chippy gets convinced to get himself into a pickle that ends his life. Oh no! That's it for Chippy. I was like, "What did I just hear?" <laughs> now. <laughs> Obviously effective advertising because here we are talking about it the next day. You remembered day it, didn't you? You're going to know to call Roto-Rooter. Yeah. Countless free advertising right now for the company. So effective advertising. But I don't remember hearing the death of an adorable character before on our radio station on a commercial. So it was alarming. It was a little bit alarming. I thought, this is a funny commercial. They get two chipmunks talking to each other. I wonder how it's going to end. How is Chippy going to extract himself from this? 
and then they're both going to praise Roto-Rooter. No, that was not the conclusion to the commercial. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard this commercial. I'm going to be on the lookout for it now, though. Uh, maybe they can get with Dr. Otto, a university animal hospital. He can come in and save Chippy, and then Chippy can return to the Roto-Rooter commercials. <laughs> now, we've already declared his death. I mean, it's right there in the commercial. <laughs> Chippy didn't make it. Well, you've explained, we the, you've explained the text I got the other day. What's up with the chipmunk? Yeah. It was astonishing. Like, I'm listening to the commercial. It's just a normal, cute commercial. And then the last line is like, oh, no, Chippy didn't make it. Like, wait, <laughs> no. what? Chippy didn't make it. I just fell in love with Chippy 15 seconds ago. And his his uh, his innocence and in sticking his head down the drain. <laughs> We killed him. Well, there you go, Mike. They killed off Chippy. Uh, how about T Row going all in, fully committed to the chipmunk voice? Pretty well done, don't you think? Very well done. Toby is a man of. I, I I know he's a man of many talents. I didn't realize he was a man of many voices. That that was impressive. And there's some TJ's laugh was so good. It's so good that it just. You know, that was the icing on the cake on what was a really good bit, and you throw TJ's laugh on top of that. Because I had heard that commercial the other day, too, and I'm like, what, what, really? He's gone? <laughs> but uh, like like T-Row said, here we are talking about it, so it's an effective ad. But uh, Chippy, uh, no doubt Chippy is in the uh, chipmunk afterlife. No question about it. It was just an innocent mistake. But uh, his buddy shouldn't have put him up to that, you know, and uh, – egged him on because that clearly was the main issue but i just when i heard toby doing the chipmunk voice i'm like dude that's so good that's good stuff so there you go that is the chipmunk incident that i wanted to play for you all right 405-651-3439 in the air comfort solutions text line uh thoughts yesterday you were at media day for those who missed out was there anything i mean it, look you're gonna get a lot of generic meat and potatoes we feel good you know Great culture, all that stuff. Everybody around the country is saying that. But I think a lot of people, and you're there quite a bit, Parker, uh, feel like this is a genuine thing that's happening in Oklahoma right now, that the culture, it's not just BS. The culture is clearly different and changing in a what a lot, most people feel is a very positive way uh, as compared to what particularly the culture that fell apart last year. So – this is a real thing, and because I, I had a couple people, yeah, you know what, okay, yeah, culture, everybody talks about that culture, their culture, but I really believe there's a complete transformation that's happened over there, don't you? Well, yes, and I tell you what, although we did not get to talk to Jerry Schmidt, although we didn't see Jerry Schmidt with uh, our respective two eyes, we saw all the evidence of Jerry Schmidt, because dudes are jacked, Mike. David Aguebu looks bigger. Billy Bowman looks way bigger. Jalen Redmond looks huge. Reggie Grimes has made immense strides in the weight room. You take a look at what this team looks like just from a physical standpoint, without, e- without even putting the pads on, before, they've e- before we've ever seen them in pads. You interact with these guys, and a lot of these guys are guys that I've not gotten to know quite well, 
uh, over the course of their respective tenures as Oklahoma Sooners, from a guy like Justin Royals, who's going into his sixth year in Crimson, to a guy like Billy Bowman, who is on year two. Uh, Regardless, you see an entirely different team from a physical standpoint from last year to this year. And all of these guys, I think Jalen Redmond said he's put on 15 pounds over the course of the offseason and is going to be playing at a weight of about 295. Uh, yeah, inject that directly into my veins if I'm an Oklahoma wow, Sooner how about fan. that? Yeah, and uh, it's it's a transformation that needs to happen for uh, competing in the SEC. No doubt about it. Who knows when that's going to be right now, but the Sooners have to get a lot more physical. And Brent said that the other day. You know, he was asked by Teddy, we'll play the clip maybe next hour on the rush yesterday. What's the main thing you're looking at for you to be able to t- be a team that wins the Big 12 championship? And he said physicality and discipline. A couple things that uh, seem to have been missing, particularly last year. That that locker room was splintered. Um, and, again, Oklahoma, uh, last year I still think they had the makings of a pretty good defense. And there were a few times where they looked like, okay, this is the Oklahoma defense we expected last fall. But too often it was, seriously, really, another missed tackle in the open field. You're giving up that touchdown to Texas on the first play of the game. Um, more more often than not, Sooner fans were very disappointed with that defense uh, last year. They expected more. So this year's defense is going to be very interesting uh, to see. Particular, I The one thing that I would almost guarantee is they are going to be more physical and they'll be better tackling as well, because I don't think they tackle very well, hardly at all, under uh, Alex Grinch. All right, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley sponsoring our second hour here on Steel Man and Thune. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley, and if you're looking for a great deal on a car, truck, or an SUV, or a used car, the used car market's big right now, and they're finding the best ones, uh, you know, head down to the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72, and a great guarantee, oil changes Engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Take a break. Got some interesting uh, texts coming in. I've got a couple questions uh, on Twitter as well. We'll get to keep it right here on The Ref. Okay, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. If you want to go really old school, we usually have guests on uh, only on uh, at least during our portion of the uh, broadcast day. On the Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-329-9000, 405-329-9000. Here's an interesting one that came to me via Twitter, a direct message, DM. Yeah, got it. I don't know. That's still a little weird to get it. I, I guess I shouldn't have a problem with it, but it just it seems a little strange. But it's a good question. Uh, hey, guys, what broadcasters do you identify with in certain sports? For me, Vin Scully, certainly in baseball, what about other sports? That's from Ronnie. Yeah, for baseball, Parker, Vin Scully for me, and, and Vin, of course, also did, as we talked about, he did NFL games. Uh, you you know, the catch with the Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. Uh, you know, at Candlestick Park to beat the Cowboys, and the Niners go on to the Super Bowl and beat the Bengals uh, in that Super Bowl. Uh, he also did uh, the Masters. He was on 18 at Augusta for a while, so... He was very versatile, but Vin Scully for me in baseball. Uh, it's weird because you almost always think of a play-by-play guy first. 
But for me, the NFL is all about John Madden. And it wasn't too long ago when we lost John Madden. College football for me would definitely be Keith Jackson. Uh, I just, you know, for me, he was college football. Uh, Keith Jackson was the man and uh, called so many memorable Oklahoma games, particularly, uh, you know, OU Nebraska games. But Keith Jackson would be it for college football. NBA, oh, man, I'd probably go with Marv Albert. Probably go with Marv Albert. Uh, Golf would be, you know, I don't know, maybe Jim Nance. Golf, I I don't know that I have one that stands out in golf. But what about you, Parker, for, say, uh, Major League Baseball? We know you're going Vince Scully, but, like, for the NFL, college football, uh, NBA, is there a voice that you immediately say, that's the voice of college football? NBA for me is probably Mike Breen. Uh, yeah, as far your as generation. Yes. As far as NFL football, oh, that one's tough. Uh, probably, no, no, you know what? Al Michaels. Al Michaels okay. for me is the is voice of Is it fair for me football. to go with a color commentator and Madden? Yeah, no, I, 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 th- I think that's just fine. And honestly, if I were a little bit older, I probably would go Madden too. And of course... Anybody my age grew up playing the Madden video games, so to a certain extent, you do associate John Madden with the NFL. But John Madden was only calling real-life NFL games for the first 10 years of my life. And thereafter, uh, he turned things over to Chris Collinsworth, obviously on the NBC broadcast. But for my entire life, Al Michaels has been the voice of either Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football. And I tell you what, I've mentioned this before on the air, but rarely have I missed a Football Night in America broadcast on NBC since its inception in 2006. That was the first television show of any kind that I watched with regularity, and I still watch it to this day. Uh, the, I mean, the halcyon days of that show to me were Bob Costas anchoring, Dan Patrick calling highlights, and Al Michaels on play-by-play, whether it was Madden or Collinsworth doing color. So uh, Football Night in America, especially with Al Michaels as the voice, that's what I associate with the NFL. College football, I'm going to say Vern Lundquist. Okay. Just because that was the guy, and I never, like, here's the thing. Pastor's kid, right? You always go to bed early on Saturday mornings because you're getting up for church on Sunday. Uh, the next morning, so uh, never never really stayed up late on Saturday nights. Brent Musker, Musburger was on the call uh, for the ESPN Saturday Night Broadcast when I was growing up, and so I'd hear Brent Musburger call games for a quarter, maybe a half, before I had to retire for the evening, but Vern Lundquist was on the call every single Saturday for the SEC on CBS, and he just has such an iconic voice. He's very much like Vin Scully in that regard, where there's not another voice that sounds mm-hmm. quite like Vern's. So I think Vern has the most distinctive voice in college football, and that in combination with the fact that I would listen to him and watch his broadcasts every single week throughout the fall. That's probably why Vern Lundquist is the voice of college football for me. You know what's weird about that, Parker, is we talked about Vin Scully uh, was on the coverage at Augusta for a long time. And Vern Lundquist, yes, definitely SEC, but he's also done some huge college basketball games. And he's probably made the two biggest calls in the history of Augusta. When you talk about Jack's putt on 17, you know, maybe 
Yes, sir. And then uh, Tiger's chip, you know, on number 16. In your life, have you ever seen anything like that? Both Vern Lundquist calls. I mean, you could say maybe Jim Nance, a win for the ages. There it is, a win for the ages. But um, that shows you that Vern had a lot. Vern had versatility, definitely had versatility when he was covering all those sports. So uh, did you pick? So we got baseball. You got your NFL. What about, is there a voice or an announcer in those sports that you really didn't like? Maybe despised is a really too harsh of a word, but one you're like, oh, gosh, this guy. It can be a, a color man or it can be a, a play-by-play guy. Like Beano Cook, you know, in the early days of ESPN. Dick Vitale, I love Dick Vitale personally. I've met Dick. He's really a good guy. I love his enthusiasm and energy, but Dick Vitale would wear some people the wrong way. Um is there anybody that you can think of? Howard Cosell back in the heyday of Monday Night Football, you know, drove people crazy. This was before anybody my time, but do you remember when Dennis Miller was the color guy for Monday Night Football? <laughs> yeah. That was a thing that happened. <laughs> Wasn't Rush Limbaugh, too, for a while? Gosh, I don't, he, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Rush in studio, or was he actually on the broadcast? I mean, it started getting crazy there for a while, yes. Dennis Miller. Uh, back before back before he got canceled, uh, I was not a huge fan of John Gruden as a color guy. He just kind of he he had one of those voices that was grating. It was it was, sure was distinctive, but mm-hmm. it it was either your flavor or it wasn't. And for me, it wasn't. Yeah. Um. Anybody in the world of college football right now that. I like Herb Street. I know College Game Day maybe isn't what it used to be. I used to think College Game Day was kind of on par with inside the NBA. Uh, they were, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. But now it's, you know, inside the NBA still um, there. But College Game Day isn't. Inside the uh, NBA, man. Ugh, oh, that might be the best show on sports television. It's um, so good. Yeah. Somebody, okay, hold up, hold up. Somebody on the Air Comfort Solutions text line says – Madden could not watch a game if he was on the broadcast. Worst ever. Well, I mean, it's wow. a subjective thing. If you didn't like all the booms and all the, you know, John Maddenisms, um, you know, no, everybody's going to have a detractor out there. But I think most most people love John Madden. Uh, somebody said, I can't believe neither one of you mentioned Joe Buck. Joe's kind of a minimalist as a broadcaster, mm-hmm. yeah. and I didn't love his style for the longest time, but I've gained a deeper appreciation for it as the years have gone by. I don't, yeah, think, he's, I, 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 I don't think he's elite as a broadcaster, but he's good enough. He's better than he oh, gets yeah, credit he's, for. He, he's good. There's, he's not one of my favorites. He seems kind of smug, or he seems like sometimes maybe very smug. And uh, I I don't know, but I, he and Troy Aikman are a nice pair, and they're moving on Monday Night Football. So uh, I'm trying to think if there was anybody else, though, that I just really – I'm trying to think in the world of college football. What, how do you think people feel overall about Feinbaum? And I, I don't know that he's actually – you know, he's on game day, and he's associated – he's the he's the, uh, the, uh, the voice of the SEC in many ways – um, you know, as Vern Lundquist is on, has been on those SEC broadcasts on CBS. But what do you think of Feinbaum? 
I'm I, I'm kind of hot or cold on Fine Mom. Yeah, uh, so me the, too. the texture on the text line yesterday that says sometimes I like him, sometimes I want to throw him through a window was pretty much spot on. Uh, by the way, reaction on the Air Comfort Solutions text line to the chipmunk bit. One listener says, I just did an actual coffee spit take listening to Toby's chippy voice. Another, I know, it was so good. Another says, my 11-year-old daughter heard that commercial yesterday and freaked out. <laughs> uh, Michael from OKC says, Steely, I assume Chippy's friend was also the instigator for Boomerang being out of buns, correct? Is that an inside <laughs> joke? Yes. I used to work at the Boomerang on Lindsay Street, and I was the worst food employee of all time. Number one, they fired me for calling a score line that cost 50 cents every time you called it. Then they brought me back, and then there was a uh, there was a OU Texas party. Uh, it was my senior year in high school. Don't want to mention any names. Glenn Sullivan's place, and his parents were out of town, so we were going to have a party. But me and my buddy were working at the Boomerang, and we thought, man, we're going to be working till nine o'clock. By the time we close this place down, it's going to be like ten thirty. You know what? We got to figure a way to get out of here. So. It had a marquee out there. If you're a Norman resident, you remember the Boomerang Restaurant on Lindsay Street, and there used to be a marquee. It would say, like, number five on special this week, you know, two ninety nine or whatever. So I went out there, changed the marquee, and put, sorry, closed out of buns. And we shut down <laughs> at, like, 7 o'clock. Now, there was also a... What was then maybe a Safeway, which is now a Homeland grocery store, literally right across the street. So if we were out of buns, which we weren't, then we could have walked over to Homeland and bought buns and brought them back. But on the marquee, it said, sorry, closed, out of buns. And as we were cleaning up, it took about an hour to shut down. So we thought, all right, let's do it. We put that up about uh, 6 o'clock. And, uh, and then I can still remember, like, a family, you know, like coming to the door, like looking through the door and then everything banging on like, like, see the sign closed out of bond. Sorry. And uh, so, yeah, that's what happened. I thought it was a great moment, man. We were able to get to the party. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a great moment in um, Norman food history, in my opinion. All right. Let's break right here. Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72. Car, truck, SUV, used car selection, it's all there in great service after the sale. Oil changes engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. No additional cost to you. Like I said, that's a great grouping of words. When you can put together, no additional cost to you. Five words that make beautiful music right there. All right, let's get back to the text line when we get back. Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, we're back. Good to have you along here on this Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. Here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Rep Radio Network. Locked in, coming up at 2 o'clock with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas right here on the Ref. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about how ridiculous. Can you imagine driving down Lindsay Street in Norman, Oklahoma, circa 1981, and seeing that marquee? at one of the most popular, maybe the most popular hamburger spot in Norman at the time. And by the way, Rip Sooner Dairy Lunch was certainly in the conversation as well, no doubt. But seeing a marquee that says, closed, sorry, out of buns. 
That's. Would you think uh, you've got to be kidding me, right? That's a, like driving by like I, the well, garage. Honestly, or what I would had, do you know? is like if I had it, if there was no immediate alternative, which obviously there is on Lindsay Street these days. But if there was no immediate alternative, I'd have just driven across the Safeway, bought a pack of buns, brought it over to the Boomerang, and say, "Okay, <laughs> make my burger." <laughs> there you go. By the way, uh, uh, I know it's been forty years since you worked at Boomerang. Mm-hmm. But right. I've never actually had a Boomerang burger. I have three free cu- I have three coupons for a free Boomerang burger right now stashed somewhere in a drawer at Really? Home. How good uh, the, the one how good on is Porter the Boomerang now, right? burger? Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I will tell you that the Boomerang and Johnny's Charcoal Broiler, have you been to Johnny's? That's no, basically I the can't boomerang. Say I have. The okay. boomerangs, uh, uh, the onion rings, everything. Johnny's and the boomerang, uh, and John. Johnny's is really good if you haven't been there. Um, that's basically very similar to the boomerang menu. If you want to, if you miss the original Lindsay boomerang, then uh, Johnny's is probably about as close as you can get to it. The one on Porter's pretty good too, though. It's good uh, in Norman, but. I got fired from fast food jobs more than uh, George Steinbrenner fired Billy Martin, I believe. Well, fortunately, Steely, you found your career path in something other than fast food. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was a horrible. I remember I was at Arby's, and uh, they fired me there because I asked for time off for the holidays. And I'm like, like for Christmas and everything? And I said, no, the entire bowl season. Like, the bowl season all the all the bowl games like isn't that like a month yes pretty much came in the next day we're gonna have to let you go i was like yes thank you (laughs) i told the story one time i got in trouble my parents best parents ever my mom still with us my dad rest in peace but they they weren't really uh hardcore scream at you but if you did something wrong you would you would get some punishment and this was after it was like late, 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 late in my junior year. Basketball was over and everything, so I wasn't doing anything. And I got in trouble for something. And they made me, you're going to get a job. And I remember driving down to Main Street, and they actually took me in their car. I was like in the backseat like, oh, gosh, really? All right. Uh, I was 16 at the time, I believe, because I was one of those guys who had like an August birthday, so I was younger than anybody in my class. But I remember that Arby's on Main Street also had a marquee marquee out there, and it said, now hiring. And I remember driving down Main Street, and I'm like, please don't see that sign. Please don't see that sign. Look the other way. Look the other way. Oh, no, they saw it. You're going in to interview for that job right now. And I gave the worst interview I possibly could give. And uh, you would have thought, like, I was Ted Bundy. Or something, you know. My answers were so bizarre, and it was brutal. And guess what? I got the job. And so uh, they put me in charge of potato cakes, right off the bat. So and that was my job. But I can remember that I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I get. I felt like Judge Reinhold in uh, in uh, uh, what is the what is the movie? Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a complete Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Now, I didn't have the ridiculous pirate hat on, but I still had the fast food uniform, and I, I was already dorky enough, and then I put that on, and I'm super dork. 
And I can remember a carload of the uh, cheerleaders. Not that I was a dork in high school. I'm just saying I looked super dorky in that outfit. I was really somewhat cool. But I can remember, oh, no, is that the cheerleaders coming in? And they pulled up, and like four of them got out of the car, and they were walking to the front door at Arby's. I immediately took a break, and uh, I didn't actually get a break, but I acted like I had to do something in the walk-in freezer. So I basically stayed in the walk-in freezer for probably like 10 minutes uh, because they ordered their food and and, uh, got out of there pretty quickly. And when the coast was clear, you know, I came out. But basically I look like that picture of Jack Nicholson in The Shining when he was chasing Danny through the maze because I didn't want to be seen there in the Arby's uniform. My Q rating would have gone way down had I been seen in that situation. So I basically froze my, nearly froze myself to death to avoid that humiliation. Well, here you and are the, today telling the tale right. some 40 years later. <laughs> um, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, uh, one listener says, Hard to beat a sticky finger burger from the garage. Yes. Have you had a sticky finger, Steely? Uh, you know, I haven't, but I love oh. the garage. We, In fact, I told Shay we went uh, – um, together with her brother and uh um her niece and i thought we're like you know where we need to go we haven't been in a couple months we got to go to the garage i'm craving the garage she's like let's go uh their burgers are great really good now but i have that's the one that's peanut butter right that's That's right peanut butter burger peanut butter bacon and i forget whether it's green chilies or jalapeno jam it's one of the two but regardless, it is a delicious burger. I, in fact, there was there was a point in time, I believe it was my junior year of college, that me and my roommates had just finished moving into our new apartment, and we were ravenous, and so we decided to go to the garage, and it was there that I knocked down the only triple burger I have ever eaten, and it was a triple sticky finger. They're really good, man. Their burgers are excellent. Yeah, I love it. Pretty much any Hal Smith operation is going to be big time. But, yeah, we were just at the garage uh, last Saturday, and it was excellent. But I I almost ordered that burger Saturday, but I thought, no, nah, I think I'll go with my standard. But uh, next time I go there, I'm going to order it because too many people have told me it's really good. So, Anyway, all right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's get back there. Chicken fried steak sandwich from Del Rancho circa 1985 to 89. Awesome. No doubt. Have you ever had a Del They're still pretty good, but have I've, you I've never had... been to Del Rancho. Creed Humphrey is somewhere shaking his head in dismay. Dude, I'm telling you, it's a life-altering experience. They're still pretty good now. I'm not sure they're quite as big as they used to be. I'm sure they have one that's a, a larger size, but they're really good. I would say it's worth your time to get over there. Uh, a Norman institution closed recently, um, you know, with uh, Sooner Dairy Lunch on Main Street forever, and that was a great burger, too. And they had the pineapple uh, shake. That was great. Uh, the barbecue sandwich was pretty good. But, uh, yeah, Del Rancho, you need to experience that, no doubt. Jim, okay, should we break? Go ahead. Well, let's hit a couple more here before we do break. Uh, Johnny's Grilled Onion Burger in El Reno. Have you had that? I haven't. I have not, but I hear it's pretty good. I've heard stories about it. 
Yes. Somebody said we, back we, in back in Steely's day, he had to walk uphill both ways to work. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. A long, long time ago. The uh, phone that I co- uh, called uh, cooled. The phone that I called. Sound like Al Eshbeck. The the nine hundred numbers are now. That sounds really bad. This was a service called Dial It National Sports. And they would update the basketball scores like every 10 minutes. And I would pick it up, call it, try and get the scores, try and get the scores I was looking for. And I was calling on the phone at the boomerang. And that uh, I'm so old, that phone had a cord attached to it. But I could remember when the owner got the bill, he was, what? You know, it was like $274 worth of uh, calls to that dial at National Sports number. And uh, they made me work uh, a week without pay, and then they fired me. So it wasn't a great move on my part. So, well, like I, said, I hate to say it, but you kind of deserved it at that point. Yeah, that's true. It's like uh, my buddy, actually, he was like the assistant manager. He he was like a solid employee and worked his way up. And he goes, Steely, sorry to tell you, but they're going to fire you. I'm like, okay, good. That's fine. I like that. Go ahead. I can I can take it. I'm going to be a regional radio star one day. All right. Not even concerned. Regional radio stardom is in my future. <laughs> All right, let's break right here. More texts on the way. 405-651-3439 here on a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. We shall return. Man, did we ever lose a good one in Vince Scully, the best of all time. Uh, we both agree. Uh, Parker's a huge Dodgers fan, and I'm um, I'm just a big Vince Scully fan. Best to ever do it, uh, certainly in baseball. And uh, we talked about, it. well, you heard it right there, Candlestick Park, right? Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. And we lost Dwight Clark, what, about three or four years ago? Um, so, again, just uh, iconic calls, iconic broadcaster. Uh, Vince Scully passing away yesterday at the age of 94. And, again, uh, you think about all the World Series, 25 World Series, 67-year career. Uh, like I said, in uh, T-Row, you know, and it makes sense, but when I heard him talk about it today, when he retired, he had already been in the Hall of Fame for 40 years. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. But uh, we will certainly miss Vince Scully. That was, like some, I said, uh, that was some bucket list material for me right yeah. there, Mike. I just mixed Vince Scully calls underneath – or I, I suppose with a Tom Petty music bed underneath it. Yeah, Elite I noticed stuff. that. Elite solid stuff. mix, solid mix down there. All right. Um, anyway, we've lost over the uh, past what five days? I guess we're going back now four or five days. Bill Russell, one of the iconic uh, players in uh, NBA history, true gentleman, civil rights leader. I mean, uh, just a great, great man. And the same for Ben Scully. All right, do we have time for like one or two texts before we get out of here? Oh, of course. Let's uh, let's, let's hit the Air Comfort it. Solutions text line. Uh, St. Louis Jack says, Steely, you and Parker's camaraderie is awesome. He's an old soul, and we're just old. Have a great day, guys. <laughs> great show. You know, uh, that's kind of something we talked about uh, before we put this show together and talked about, you know, it would be really good. You, you've got the old perspective, and you got a young guy with you. And I'm like, yeah, I, I – I can cover the old perspective. I've got that. Another listener says, El Reno does a grilled onion burger festival every year. Legendary burger. 
Is a, mm. okay. So is an onion burger legit like an Oklahoma thing? Like, did that originate uh, in Oklahoma? I, I think so. I mean, I'm not 100%, you know, Mr. Foodie, but I think it is, yes. Okay, I'd wondered because, uh, you know, the whole I, – I think we run a couple spots, too, uh, that advertise handmade Oklahoma onion burgers. It's like, well, is, is an onion burger actually an Oklahoma thing? And I, I suppose mm-hmm. it is. This is me not being a local. This is me asking the questions that, by default, a Nebraskan will ask about these things. Well, you know, you uh, you definitely need to uh, experience the Oklahoma onion burger. You need to make a trip to uh, Del Rancho and get the steak sandwich supreme. And uh, Ray's Barbecue, have you been to Ray's? Our man Daryl Ray? I have, I have oh. been to Ray's. That is outstanding Not on the menu, barbecue. but as for Ray's, the Ray's the Roof sandwich. And they will serve it to you. It's and, not on uh, the menu. So this is like a secret menu type of thing. It's kind of like a secret menu item, yes. And Daryl, if Daryl's there, he's going to talk to you football with you. He's just a super nice guy. Great dude. Um, so, yeah, Aishin's Chicken, you been there yet, Okarchi? I haven't been to Aishin's Chicken. That's been heavily recommended to me, though. Yeah, make that trip also. Maybe, maybe you can make that before football season because your life – your life is over once football starts. And, I mean, you're busy enough as it is. Once you get into the fall, I mean, there's there's no free time. Uh, so conflicting, maybe make- conflicting intel on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One listener says the onion burger originated in El Reno. Another text says onion burger originated in Ardmore during the Depression. Oh, really? Okay. Well, it's an Oklahoma thing. We just that, The question was, you asked, is it an Oklahoma thing? And I said, yes, I'm pretty sure it is. So, Hamburger King good. in Shawnee, I have been there many a time. I, a, Brad Pitt, apparently, you know, he was born in Shawnee, graduated from Missouri, but he was born in Oklahoma, and I've heard that he's made trips, specific trips, to just fly in and go there. And you still order from a phone at your booth there. Very there old you school. Go. Feels like you're Nothing stepping back into like the 70s. All right, we're out of time. I want to thank the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV. Great used car selection. Great guarantee. Oil changes engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. Add no additional cost to you. Also, thanks to Riverwind Casino. Get out there. Be one of the top five point producers in the Battle of the Big Reds promotion and you can go see the Sooners in Nebraska on Riverwind. We'll see you. Have a great Wednesday.